What happens when a Catholic deacon matches wits with a Catholic radio show host? You get a marriage made in heaven. They may not always agree, but they're always faithful. It's the Akins with their view from the pew on Modern Day Radio. And welcome to this episode of View from the Pew. I am your host, Brenda Aiken, and joining me as always is the man who never has a problem with his home printer unless it's time to print a homily, the good deacon, Scott Aiken. Wow, you know, that that's true, and, and as a consequence, I have learned to print off early, not late. I've had <laughs> it at the 11th hour when I'm trying to print it five minutes before I run out the door because I've made changes right to the very end. Uh, that is... Can't always trust that. Here at the station, we like to say that when those things happen, it's the devil trying to get his toe in there to mix things up and make it difficult for us, especially when we're trying to do God's work. Because, Scott, that happened to me this week on the morning show. And it seems to always happen, maybe because I'm always rushing at the last minute, too. (laughs) But two minutes before the show's ready to start, I'm ready to print my script. And I could not connect to the printer. Yeah, you know, I think I think the I think the devil does toy with us on times like that. It's clear that our electronics are valuable, but we think it's separate from the devil's actions. I think I think the devil can play with us. Wow. In more ways than one too. Remember back in the day we were explaining to the kids the history of the computer and Uh, What would happen if we didn't save our term papers on the floppy disks and how stressful it would be because sometimes computers would get caught in the loop and you were afraid to pull out your disk because then you'd end up losing your information. And once it's gone, boy, who knows where those things go? You know, that was one of my most inspirational homilies, though, because I didn't have the the paper to, to go from. We when we give homilies, one of the things that we were trained in our homiletics is to try and be consistent across the masses. So if you have multiple masses in a weekend, uh, don't don't just go off the cuff for every mass because it's going to change and you're going to, um, at least that was our homiletics teacher's viewpoint. And I thought, you know, I'm going to take that to heart. So when I had that happen, as soon as I finished that first homily, I went back and tried to remember what I, what I said. I wrote it down so that I could say that again for the next three homilies that had to follow on that given weekend. So, yeah, but you know, that's, uh, that's also a, a experience of, of humility. And even though we're adults, so we can still act like kids when it comes to preparing for things and procrastinate. And, and I have to admit I've procrastinated and at the last minute it doesn't work <laughs> sometimes. Uh, it can be so frustrating. Also on the morning blend this week, we were talking about back to school lists and things that are on there now and some technology things that it's important to remember. One of the things a lot of kids don't have anymore on their list are those simple thumb drives. How amazing are those? Those, of course, maybe their version of the floppy disk where they plug in their thumb drive and they upload or download their file and carry it somewhere else. Now, kids, they just put it on Google Docs or on Google Classrooms. And they can access it anywhere from any terminal. You know, we're getting ready to go back to school in our area. We've got two kids that are heading back. One's going to college. One's going into his second year, his sophomore year of high school. They are savoring the last few days of summer. Yeah, and I was just this morning thinking that, gosh, they are. it, it does happen fast when everyone starts to leave the house. And we've heard that from our parents. We've heard that from our friends' parents. But here we are experiencing that. And 
one by one, they're leaving the house to go on in their life. And that really struck me today as uh, my son, I tried to rouse them out of bed to just get up because school's coming Mm -hmm. and he has got a great schedule for a 16 year old boy of going to bed at midnight, waking up at noon, (laughs) which I try. I don't think I could sleep 12 hours anymore, but I remember that well when I was his age, but gosh, got to get him prepared to go in at eight o'clock. Yeah. 7.30. We are fortunate in our school district that recently they actually shifted the high school start time because so many kids were coming in so tired. There's something about that teenage years where they're growing and their minds are expanding and they need that extra sleep. So they were coming in too sleepy. So the powers that be at the school district decided, let's start that high school bell one hour later. So he actually gets an hour more sleep than his sisters did. But the next child up, she's off to college. We're so excited for her. She has been packing for over a week, I think. Every day when I come home from work, there is more stuff on the uh, in the entryway of things that she doesn't want to forget to take. I think it's her way of combating anxiety. If she can be extra prepared and make sure everything she wants to take gets in the car, well, that will help that transition. It, it's a it's a great thing to do as a parent. It's a little heartbreaking, but you just love to see what they've become. Yeah, and for all the comments I made about my procrastination, to watch her not procrastinate, that gives me great hope. It's like a foreign language to you, isn't it? It is, it is. You know, and I, and I like some people, thrive on a little bit of anxiety to get things done, and I do, I do well at that. For some folks, it's debilitating. So I think, you know, it's just the, the mix of, we see that in our own kids of how they approach things. Our oldest daughter, she could wait until the sun sets and rises and sets again before she goes and does something. This daughter, she's like on on the spot three days before. So she's all set. Yeah, our, our front uh, entryway is just full up of stuff staged. And that was my teaching. I really drove that into the kids that anytime we go somewhere important, we have to stage. We got to get ready, get it on one spot so we don't have to go looking for it. And here she is practicing that. So that gives me hope. So that does bring us to today's topic, because part of what happens is when we have expectations, when we're planning something, we start putting unrealistic goals on ourselves. We start putting unrealistic goals on other people who are we're trying to pull in to help us. And that can create some tension. And if you do that too long. Now you're looking at burnout because coming up today, I've got a great interview. Amy Catapan will join us. She is going to be talking about her new book. I Scott, I love this title, Sweet Jesus, Is It June Yet? And she specifically goes into what happens when teachers have burnout and how they can look to the greatest teacher of all to help them, and that's Christ. And then after that, we'll talk about how we're dealing at home with burnout and preparation for what that means for our sense of life in the midst of COVID. So we got a great show ahead for you on this week's View from the Pew. Stay with us. Christopher Minutes, thoughts on making every day count. I'm Tony Rossi. In their book, When God Calls the Heart, Brian Bird and Michelle Cox wrote a prayer for times when you're facing a challenge and don't know what to do. It reads, 
Father, why do I always try to fix my own problems when I should just turn to you first? Please help me to trust you more in situations where I feel as if I'm trapped in a corner with no idea how to escape. Help me to get out of your way so that you can take charge. Teach me what you want me to learn from each situation and provide the strength I need. Help me to also be vulnerable enough to ask my friends and loved ones for help. And in turn, help me to be available when life has them in a bind. Thank you for never failing me. This message was brought to you by the Christophers. Thanks for listening and remember that it's better to light one candle than to curse the darkness. Why do you listen to Mater Day Radio? Is it for the prayers, Catholic news and education, or to be inspired? Whatever your reason for listening, we are grateful for your support. And as we surpass 30 years of broadcasting a gospel message, we hope you will consider leaving a legacy for Mater Day Radio in your estate planning. This can be as easy as including Catholic Radio as a beneficiary in your will. For more information on estate planning options, please visit us online at materdayradio.com. It's Deacon Scott and Brenda Aiken with their View from the Pew on Mater Dei Radio. Will they spend their careers teaching our children the things they need to know? Well, to make it in the world. From the basics in kindergarten all the way to high school and beyond, teachers are right there every step of the way to celebrate, laugh, and even sometimes cry. But classroom burnout, it's real. And in her new book, Sweet Jesus, Is It June Yet? 10 Ways the Gospel Can Help You Combat Teacher Burnout and Rediscover Your Passion for Teaching, Amy Catapan shares stories from the teachers well, living in the trenches. Amy is joining me this morning to share a little bit more. Good morning, Amy. Thank you so much for joining the Morning Blend. Good morning, Brenda. It's a pleasure to be with you this morning. Amy, I want to ask you first, because I find it fascinating. I've loved our teachers, even when we never sometimes didn't see eye to eye. Their passion for loving and teaching our children is incredible. What inspired you to become a teacher? Um, I was inspired by some of my own teachers, really. I was fortunate to have some great ones. You know, I, I can't say all of them were top tier, but I had some who were really passionate from some wonderful nuns I had attending Catholic school here in the Chicago area, some uh, beautiful lay teachers, and into my high school years, I went to a Catholic high school in the suburbs of Chicago, and I had some wonderful religious priests and brothers and lay teachers there as well, and you had mentioned passion. I think that was one of the things that drew me to it. I saw educators who were really passionate about kids. I saw educators who were really passionate about their content areas. And I've always been a big reader and writer. Um, I've always loved reading books and writing my own stories. So the idea of becoming an English teacher was just really appealing to me because it gave me a chance to combine my love of reading and writing with my love of working with children. Oh, I love that so much. Those stories that parents hear about how their teachers want to become teachers and teach our kids, well, that's what we need to have confidence to know that you are well, really helping and being right there with our children. Amy, we've seen the commercials, happy parents filling shopping carts because after a long summer, they want their kids back in the classroom. And with COVID restrictions, wow, teachers have so much more to deal with. Do you think it is harder now than ever 
for teachers to be in the classroom? Yes. In fact, um, I have some friends uh, who are teachers, and on the first and third Saturdays of the month, there's a little Twitter chat that goes on with the hashtag Catholic Ed Chat. And it's a wonderful little group of Catholic teachers, whether they're in Catholic schools or public schools, but Catholic teachers uh, around the country who get together on Saturday mornings and chat about it. And we were chatting about teacher burnout on the first Saturday of August, and they were all saying, yes, this is just an extra layer of burnout for us. Like, we had teacher burnout before Mm -hmm. there was a pandemic. The pandemic just added extra layers onto it. So definitely it's added new layers of stress. But I think also that it's given us opportunities to grow as educators. And if we can take that mindset, which is a mindset we try to teach the kids to, right? We talk about having a growth mindset with our students. We want them not to feel like, oh, I'm not smart. I can't learn anything, but rather I am learning. I can grow. I can become smarter. And we have to take that mindset as educators as well. And over the past year and a half, I think we've grown a lot as educators. We've had to learn so many new technology tools that I think are just going to expand our possibilities, even as Hopefully, everyone's getting back into the classroom this year. We can still take with us some of those new tech tools that we learned when we were forced to either do online teaching or some kind of hybrid teaching. Oh, it's a great title, Sweet Jesus. Is it June yet? Amy Catapan is the author, and it's out by Ave Maria Press. Amy is joining me today as we talk about this great new book. Well, let me ask you this then, Amy. What poses the biggest challenge for teachers in the classroom? Is it COVID restrictions? Is it curriculum requirements? Is it kids and maybe their behaviors? Or can it be, yes, the parents? You know what I think it really is, is that we want to do so much for our students that we can place unrealistic expectations on ourselves. And other people are placing unrealistic expectations on us as well. And one of the challenges with teaching is we often don't get to see the fruit of our labor right away. I talk about teaching in the book as kind of being like that mustard seed, right? It's a tiny little seed that you plant, and it's going to grow into this beautiful tree. But often we're lucky if we get to see the sapling that comes out of the seed before the kids move on to the next teacher, right? In the next school year, we don't always get to see the beautiful, you know, mustard tree that blooms after we plant our seeds. And I think it's this lack of being able to see the fruit of our labor that is sometimes the most frustrating. We want to do so much for our students, but there are forces that make that very challenging. And, and some of them are the things that you mentioned. You know, we can't control what our students' home environment is like. I can't control if my students have a nice, quiet place to get their homework done at night. I can't control whether or not they're eating three healthy meals a day. I can't control some of the decisions made by administrators higher up than I am. I can't control a pandemic going on, right? I can't control what restrictions there are going to be in the school. There are so many things outside of my control. And I think that adds to the frustration and the burnout. Because as much as, you know, we can be in our classrooms and we do have a lot of control over our our lessons and, and what we're doing from day to day, there's so much that impacts that from the outside that we can get easily frustrated, I think. And I, that's why, I, you know, my advice to teachers often is to remember the serenity prayer, which is good for us in so many situations, not just teachers, but 
just to remember to have that serenity that there are things we cannot change, that we have to let go and let God take care of them. The courage to speak up when we can change something for the better for our students. And then the wisdom to know the difference between those two. And I think that's something that the pandemic has been teaching me a lot, that I have to learn when there are things I can't control. I can't control a pandemic, so I got to let that go and just teach the best I can with the students who are in front of me. Oh, such a beautiful prayer. And it works in so many instances. And boy, as we come into the new school year, I ask all of our listeners to keep your children's teachers in your prayers. Now, Amy, you believe that when teachers are faced with those challenges, on top of that serenity prayer, they should also look to the greatest teacher of all time. That's Christ. What can they learn? Right. Oh, so much. So the book is divided into 10 chapters. And each of them is a little nugget that we can learn from Jesus. So, for example, there's a chapter about how Jesus set the stage for learning. And we, in that chapter, talk about how Jesus really got to know his disciples. And what we can learn from that is we need to build relationships with our students, just like Jesus built relationships with his disciples. For example, we know when he called Simon Peter that he met Simon, where he was, right? He was a fisherman, so he, he met him at the shore, right? And then he spoke to him in a way that Simon would understand. He said, I'm going to make you now a fisher of men. And Simon would get that metaphor, right? He'd go, oh, okay, so I was collecting fish. Now I'm going to collect people. Okay. And we as teachers need to know our students well enough that we know a way to speak to them that's going to be culturally relevant, we would say, in the teaching world. Um, that would be culturally relevant to them, that they understand. So I think just that importance of building relationships is one thing we can learn from Jesus. Oh, sounds good to me. The name of the book is Sweet Jesus. Is it June yet? Ten ways the gospel can help you combat teacher burnout and re rediscover your passion for teaching. Well, maybe as parents are walking down the aisle, you're collecting all of those things on that list. You might want to pick up a copy for your child's teacher. Amy, tell our listeners where they can find a copy. Sure. Um, they can find it on Amazon and at AveMariaPress.com. And it makes a great Christmas gift to the teachers. Let me tell you, they have enough teacher mugs. So if you're looking for something different this year, maybe get your Christmas shopping for your teachers done early. Oh, well, even though I'm sure teachers have a whole lot to read, I think this would definitely be a book they would love to pick up. I appreciate your time so much today, Amy. Have a great school year. Thank you, Brenda. And again, that is Amy Catapan, the name of the book, Sweet Jesus, Is It June Yet? It's out by Ave Maria Press. I'm sure you can also find one at any one of our great local Catholic bookstores. I'll be sure to add a link to Ave Maria Press online, and you can find that link on the podcast of this interview at materdayradio.com. Stop this train. I want to get off and go home again. I can't take the speed. It's moving in I know I can't But honestly Won't someone stop this train Scott, just the idea of what teachers are going through right now as they are preparing their classrooms, they are making sure everything is wiped down, they have to have extra hand sanitizer, masks, everything they go, boy, COVID's really set 
a lot of expectations on teachers. And for us in the Pacific Northwest, this is going to be the first full year back in full-time education since COVID pandemic hit. Boy, there's going to be a lot of expectations and we pray for our teachers not to get burned out. But that can affect all of us, not just teachers. In everyday life, burnout is real. Yeah, I think even even just look at the the church and the gatherings that we've had, the kind of pressure put on the priests and the staff at the parishes has been tremendous. And so there's a common ground for sure, and that is we are all suffering at at varying degrees, but we're all suffering. So there's almost this kind of sense of community burnout for COVID, for talking about it, for for getting riled up in the politics. You hear people saying, I'm not watching the news anymore because this is too depressing. Well, right. under a burnout situation, you just have no gas of hope to, to put into the, into the car anymore, basically, for a metaphor. Well, where do we go to get that refueling? And we go to church, but we're facing some of the same things that we're facing at the workplace or at the school place in our own church. Rules and requirements and things that we have to go through. It feels like hoops that we're trying to jump through. All we want to do is sit and get a break from all of it. That's what we look to church to be, is that time to renew ourselves so that way we can take on everything else. Now here, even in our own jobs, and I'm not a teacher, obviously, I'm on the radio. You work for the federal government. You've done that for your whole career. Burnout does happen. And the trick is, is trying to recognize burnout, trying to work through it, find out what's causing it. Because for most of us, for the vast majority of adults, you can't just stop what you're doing and find something else to do. We got to stay in the midst of it. We got to work through it. And just as Amy had talked about in her book to turn to Christ, that is exactly who we all should turn to, to avoid all of that. Maybe the first thing to burn out oftentimes is our charity, giving of ourselves, giving help, giving attention. And once we feel like, my gosh, I don't have any more to give, where do we go and regenerate? And it should be church. But like I said earlier about the, the, the devil in the electronics, I think the devil gets into our actions and our expectations when we go to church. So suddenly we're distracted by all of these things that we have to do and we lose sight of the thing that we need to do, which is love, adore, and receive Christ. And I think that's the the refocus. That's what community does and, and family does, our relationship and our marriage. We help one another. When we're facing burnout, it's the other who can help us to get beyond that, to see beyond that. And to re- remember, this isn't the end, this burnout. There's, mm. There was a reason we came to this burnout, because we were investing of ourselves for a purpose. And now we've been distracted maybe from that purpose. How do we regain energy and hope? Christ wants to give that to us, but the devil wants to distract us. And I see that in the, in the parish where people are just frustrated. Who's wearing a mask? Who's not wearing a mask? Why isn't that person doing that? And they're not there to remember, the Lord is here. Yeah. And the Lord is wanting you to receive him. And yet you're distracted. And and I, I put myself in that position too. I have to remind myself. So I think one of the best tools when we're in burnout is listening to our third person voice. I have to tell myself, we have to tell ourselves, get up. Don't sulk. Don't stay wallowing in this spot. 
it's not doing you any good and it's not doing the Lord's work. Right. And the other wonderful thing is Amy talks about is turning to prayer, that serenity prayer. Mm. So sometimes with burnout, though, I don't think we are always necessary, necessarily called to just accept it. This is my lot in life. But as the serenity prayer says, help me recognize the things that I can change and then do something about it. So if you have that ability, if you can recognize this is where I am burning out, can I change this? Well, maybe not. Well, can I make it better? Absolutely. There is always a way. Just last week, we talked about on View from the Pew about being transformed, the transfiguration, how Christ changed. He was transfigured before the apostles that were there on the mountain with him. They were changed by what they saw, and they went down the mountain and continued on their journey. And one of the harsh realities of burnout can be oftentimes that point at which people begin to pick up bad habits, pick up destructive habits. And I think of that prayer and that prayer so often used in the 12-step program for alcoholics and drug addiction recovery to remember we have limits. We have limits and it's incumbent upon us to ask God, show us our strengths and our limits. We're not called to do everything on behalf of Christ. We're called to do the one or few things that Christ charges us with and gifts us with the ability to do. My love is enough for you. And at that moment, all we can do is turn in prayer to God and say, show me how I can move from this place where I feel stuck. And I'm as a consequence of doing something that is destructive or not helpful for what you want me to do. And that can, that can, that's a real uh, challenge with marriages. How many people say I'm burned out in my marriage? Well, why? What's, what's, what's been the, the catalyst and, and what's brought you to this point where you're, you're despairing? Because burnout is really that in a nutshell. It is the lack of hope. It is despair. Always recognize those expectations that you place on yourselves, doing too many things, asking too much of your children, asking too much of your spouse. Yeah. And then when they let you down, yeah, then you're let down. And that's what leads to a lot of those issues that happen in a family too. So remember, if you are heading back to school soon to help your children set realistic goals and set realistic goals for yourself. If you're attending mass this week and you're having to wear a mask, well, just try to set that aside and remember why we come to church in the first place. So Scott, before we go, will you end us in prayer? Yes. Lord, help us to not be distracted by all the noise that we have to contend with in this world. Help us to hear clearly your voice and see in the other your presence. Help us in this day to be mindful of our commitment to you through our baptism and our confirmation that we are your children and we have been adopted into a life that is eternally blessed. Thank you for that, Lord. We ask your blessing in your name, Jesus Christ. Amen. And that is going to wrap it up for us this week. Please tune in next week as we share with you more stories about our faith, our family, and our view from the pew. Have a great week. You've been listening to View from the Pew, a weekly look at faith and family life from a Catholic perspective with Deacon Scott and Brenda Aiken. For more information on the Aikens and to listen to an archive of their previous shows, visit them online at modernrayradio.com/pew. 
View from the View is produced at the studios of Monterey Radio in Portland, Oregon.